Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now, let's get started. So, Michael Ponder, welcome, my man. How are you? Doing well, Marty. Good to see you. Awesome, brother. Now, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your company, the type of work you do, how many people you got on your team, where you're based, et cetera? Yeah, so um, The Art of Dwelling, we would classify ourselves as kind of a luxury kitchen and bath remodel company or new home construction. Uh, try to get our average ticket or sale price up on our jobs to 300K or, or larger on the remodels. And then we're looking at you know 600 to uh, 2 million is really our sweet spot on the uh, new home construction. And we got started on the Dallas side and Stacy and I decided we wanted to move west. So COVID hit, the world turned upside down. We had a piece of property west of Fort Worth and decided, hey, now's as good a time as any to go. So we started shifting our marketing over west probably about a year and a half ago and um, haven't looked back since. It's been a great move. The only, the only regret, regret we have is we didn't do it 15 years earlier. Where yeah. were you previously? Where did you live? So we were in, in just the North Dallas suburbs. So we were literally in the heart of it. And we had a lot of clients there, but it's interesting because we found it harder to find business there than we are now, right? Uh, being further West, it's less populated, but the type of clients that we're picking up are better. But TPB has been a game changer for me, particularly. I mean, um, there's, there's so many things that I would say that have been, been positives. And what, what were you looking to gain before coming on board? What, what, was it mindset, systems, process, builder-specific stuff? Or? Yeah, it was really simple. I remember having a conversation with Matthew, and I said, you know, I was like, Matthew, I, we've got to grow our business because we felt like we were our runway. We were running out of cash flow, and, and my mindset at that point was, we just got to grow. We got to go get more clients. We got to sell, 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 right? And my mindset was just on this wheel of selling more stuff. And what I didn't realize, and I, and I think it's easy to retrospectively look back at it and see it, but when you're in the midst of trying to, in that survival mode, yep. all you're thinking about is I've got to sell a job to pay my bills, to keep the lights on, to keep moving to the next job. And I was caught in that wheel, right? And I was like, it doesn't matter how much we sell. I didn't have systems to support it. And selling more was actually creating a bigger problem for me than it was a solution, right? So that's, that's one of the biggest things that I've, you know, I've been able to really step back and the level of fear has gone from here to down here, right? As a business owner, where it's, it's opened me up. I think one of the biggest things for me has been getting closer to the money, right? And, yep. and getting closer to the money is not selling more all the time. Can be, but it's not necessarily you know, and how you can impact your business from a profitability standpoint. That's been big for us. A hundred percent. It's really identifying those top 20% of things that are going to shift the needle and structuring your week, structuring your time around that and looking at your numbers every month and tracking that job profitability. What did you, well, before we get into strategy, tell me a little bit about how your team and your business model works. So how many people yeah. who prices the jobs, et cetera. So when we came on with TPB, we were, we were at a run rate, about a million dollars to $1.2 million in gross sales a year. I think this year, just with the shift and the, some of the things that we're doing, we're already going to bust through 2.8, I think this year. Awesome. Um, awesome. Gross. And, and the good news with that is the learnings along the way. Some of them, the margins are still pretty anemic. 
but others, we've started to shift the needle and really move. And, and it's been our goal just to really get 1% better every day, right? Just 1%. And that's really kind of a, a mantra that Stacy and I both have taken. It's like, it doesn't feel like we're always getting that far down the road, but if we're just getting 1% better today, 365 days from now, we're going to look fundamentally different than we do today. 100%. And so how many teams do you have? And how do you go about deciding what worked to prioritize in your pipeline? So teams, uh, that's a really interesting thing for us because when we started with TPB, and we're learning a lot, but we, we started with one model, which was really we were paying, we, we face a really unique situation. We think it's unique in, in the Texas market where 98% of our workforce is uh, immigrant workforce. I mean, it's just the nature yeah. of where we live. So we're dealing with hurdles that a lot of people don't always deal with, which is language barriers, employees that are on ITIN numbers, or you have, uh, we're battling a lot of, of challenges there. What we did is we looked at, hey, we've got to kind of beta test or, or test against the different models. We went with the model of, okay, do we pay people on a day rate concept? Do we pay people on a rev share model, which I don't think I've seen anybody else do that, uh, where we actually uh, built strong teams of, of other business owners that are not necessarily doing great, bring mm -hmm. them on your rev share. And then the third way is really 100%. pricing out labor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So some, some of our guys will run mixed models. So they'll yeah. proceed with employees. Then they might have contractors that are on call, on demand. And then they might move to fixed labor contract crews right. that they will bid out and they'll know, hey, when we've got three projects running, it's our own two, two gangs of our own crews. Yeah. One of a contractor that we can bring in and out and then fixed price labor that goes, okay, we will give you X percent of the job based on the labor hours materials ratio. That's right. So I think when you look at the remodel space, we're doing really well at you know doing a either a rev share model where we're not having to, to hire a bunch of people, right? We'll bring somebody yep. in and we'll, they'll have equipment, they'll have trailers, they'll move the trash around, they'll have the employees. Uh, we don't have to have a bunch of employees. And then we're 100% we're sub. When we're doing large jobs where we've got, we've got a $1.2 million new home that we're starting now on that new, and by the way, we got that, that deal as a function of working with TPB and doing a pre-construction agreement, setting up a process of doing that, and changing how we were approaching the market, which I don't think we would have gotten that deal had we not had some of the resources that we had from you guys. So uh, awesome. I love it, man. It's so yeah. good to see good people winning yeah. when you put the work in. Yeah. So on that model, like when we're doing the, the larger new home construction projects, we're, we're really doing a, we're kind of shifting our model to more of a, um, let, let's call it a, an open book concept, right? Where, mm -hmm. We're, we're just setting our, our rate that we're going to make as a general contractor and getting really cozy with the client in a pre-construction agreement so that we're building trust and we have that speed of trust. And there's just no, they just get comfortable. They just know, hey, we're, we're going to make a living. And by doing that, we're taking the load off of them, but we have a shared effort in getting and a shared interest in getting the project completed. And everybody's healthy in that situation. And there's no mystery. And I think the larger a contract gets, the more that makes sense. When yep. we're looking at some of our $200,000, $300,000 remodel jobs, we're still uh, kind of closed book, fixed price. Uh, you know, we're doing uh, margin and margin and market. And, and I'll tell you, that's another big learning for us, right? We, we were completely broken. When I first spoke with Matthew and he was interviewing me, it's like, Matthew, I got to go sell more stuff. I have to sell more to make more money. And I was caught in this trap of uh, 
markup. I was just marking up and I'm like, I'm hitting it. I'm, I'm, I, what am I doing wrong? I'm marking it up, but it didn't matter how much I marked it up. I couldn't seem to understand what was going on because I didn't hand, have a handle on, on margin and what yep. that correlated to a net profit. And how that falls through yeah. into what your margin needs to be to support your overhead recovery margin to then right. pay yourself a decent net profit as yes. a company owner for hiring people, tax obligations, IRS, materials, et cetera. So what role does Stacy play in the business? She's everything, man. <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she's the uh, better 90% of the process, honestly. She, is, awesome. she acts as our chief operating officer, our CFO. She handles the finance function of the business. And one of our goals as we started with TPV was how do we work her out of the business because she, her workload is so heavy, right? Um, and we feel like we're just now starting to get into um, our, our, our business maturity date and our exit strategy so that we move towards moving her out and, and bringing in all the resources that we need uh, awesome. to backfill her position and role. Brilliant. And by putting a timeline and going, okay, 90 days from now or 180 days from now, or when we get revenue and gross profit to X, then right. these are the 12 tasks that Stacey is going to stop doing. That's going to free up 20 hours a week and we can bring on a bookkeeper right. or we can bring on an office manager part-time and then within 45 days, Stacey can be fully up. Yes, absolutely. If I had to sum up the two things that have been really uh, critical in, in my mind shift or my mindset change, number one, the reading list that I've, I've picked up from the guys within the group has been phenomenal. Um, but, I, but I look to, there's really three books that I, I read a lot. I listen to audiobooks all day. If I'm not working, I'm always carving time out to read. Um, but there are three books that I had not read before working with TPB. One is Profit First, uh, Atomic Habits, and Extreme Ownership. Um, wow. And th th those three books have been game changers for me personally. Uh, the, the simple concept of Profit First is just, it's, it's so simple, but I'm like, dummy, why haven't you done this already? Like, it, 100%, right? It, like, yeah. Rather than just one big plate to eat your meal on, we're going to have five small plates that are this big. That one's going to be for operating costs. This one's going to be our profit account. This is going to be our tax account. This is our holiday account. And this is our investments account. Yeah. And we naturally do that in our personal life. But for whatever reason in our business, we just, we don't think that way. And it's like, and it's such a broken, and I think it's the American dream or the Australian dream or the, or the New Zealand dream, whatever it is, right? It's like, we're chasing this, um, we just think we're going to hit a, we're going to hit a home run. But the problem is that there's never enough profit left in a business to, it's always going to be consumed unless you carve it out, right? 100%. So you got to feed yourself first. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, how's your mindset changed from before joining? Like what, what's different mindset wise in terms of maybe vision, stress, yeah. confidence? Well, I can say this, the stress is still high. We're still doing way too much, but we have a plan, right? And we have this 1% approach to everyday living now that if we're getting 1% better, we know that we, we see we see a light at the end of the tunnel now, whereas before we just we just saw a freight train coming at us. And it's like, how do how do we even get through this? We were we were on the verge of saying we're, we're out of this business. We're, we're, we're done. Like if we don't by the time we got to TPB, it literally was it was the last it, like it was the last last ditch effort for us. We were like, we're, we're this is either going to work or it's not. You know, um, we knew that we had to do some things fundamentally different. Um, and I'm a smart guy but I don't know what I don't know. And it feels yeah. like in the building industry, it seems like this elusive, clammed up, closed up environment where there's just a lack of sharing of information. 
And what I would say the biggest change for me is the amount of time that I was, I feel like I'm making up time now. Like I'm able to get behind the curtain and compress time in a way that I haven't been able to do before where I feel like I can make up for lost time and recover that. Um, and, and as far as mind, mind shift or you know, perspective of, of how I view the business now is it's a tool, right? And it's, it's a way for us to get from point A to point B. The business is here to serve us, not for us to serve the business, right? Exactly. Have a business that you run rather than the business running you. Yes. And, 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 it's, and it was running us. It feels like that there's still some of those bad habits that are still there that we're having to slay every day, but we are getting better every day. And one, one other thing I say, we're still dealing with kind of the fallout of some of the contracts that we had in place that were structured really bad. They were bad deals, but as a, as a integrity-based business, sorry, I can't just walk away from them. So you got to finish them out, right? You got to run them out, but you're, you're stuck with, you're, you're kind of stuck with the, the bad stuff, but now we're kind of on the leading edge of the newer stuff where we've got things built correctly. We really think that we're, we're turning the corner on, on the next iteration of where we're going as a business now. Um, and, and by the way, our revenue has grown and our margins are healthier on the new contracts that we're writing, right? Cool. And we're closing the, closing the book, so to speak, on some of the ones that have just been really not good. And we've identified how not to fall back into those traps again. Love it. How, and how has your leadership changed with you and the team and direction of specific strategies to that you're going to implement? Um, extreme ownership certainly has changed my thought process. One thing specifically um, in our, our environment where we are dealing with an immigrant workforce um, and, and a huge language barriers, not just with us within our company to our employees or the people that work for us as contract employees, but also to our clients and how that's how that communication that's been a struggle. So one of the things that we are doing is really keeping KPIs tight. You've yep. got three things, not more than three things, and it's communicating to the lowest common denominator. If the, if, if the weakest link cannot understand everything that's supposed to happen, it doesn't matter that everybody else can. So yep. it's, it's pulling it forward. And then, and then when there's a failure in the system, it truly is saying, look, I, I couldn't believe it. When, when I read that book and, I, and I'm not, you know, it's not all about books, but books I think are, are really important to change people's lives um, because it gives us a window into a compression of time to do things different than we're doing them today. And we can get out of a rut. But what I would say is it, it, when I first read that and I then applied this concept of extreme ownership to not just the, the guys that I'm working with, but to, to customers, mm -hmm. They're blown away. They're like, they're, they don't understand it. They're confused by it, honestly. Yep. They're, they're absolutely confused by it. Um, and it's, um, people don't know this, but we, got, we just wrapped up two projects that were remodel jobs for HGTV. Mm -hmm. and, oh, nice. Um, yeah, great, great. For, it sounds great on the paper, but there were some of those that were not, not a lot of traction or money to be made. It's a, it was really more of a marketing approach. But the good news is we're happy to have those wrapped up, but the, it was fraught with, lack of process, not our process, but everybody in the system of doing a TV show yeah. uh, as a general contractor. And man, the opportunity to really demonstrate that, I think came through as 
setting us apart and looking different than what they've experienced in, in a lot of uh, awesome. other. What can you um, use from that towards your marketing? Um, so I think that that really needs to be part, video, part. Et What's that? Can you get videos, testimonial, etc.? You're talking about from the ACTV stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be able to we'll be able to use that on our brand. The the show will actually be airing in April next year. Oh, magic! So, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be in front of millions of people. You know, brilliant. Um, now we're we're not the TV personalities, but we are the general contractor running the show, and so we need we really need to ramp up our marketing efforts um, around our lookbooks and our. Oh, uh, Michael, I'm excited now. This is huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a huge opportunity there. So that's that's the infill from that. Even though we didn't make a ton of money, but it was a great opportunity for us, yep. a learning experience, um, and I think that we can really take advantage of that. It's better that you've sorted these systems out now yes so when the demand does come because the worst thing is right. there's two things you can't scale lack of profits and chaos right and you're sorting all that out now and yes. it's transitioning significantly so these these prof uh, these projects should run smoothly they'll be at much greater margin there'll be less headaches in terms of pricing and everything so you're doing things in the exact right order yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I feel like that we like we want to be in a position like we're interviewing our potential customers as much as they're interviewing us now. Perfect. Um, Perfect. We haven't done that to some extent, but but it, it's just not worth it. I think the, one of the biggest learnings for us is you have to rise above fear, right? And, and running a business is very challenging. It's it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, Do you, you have know, any specific practical tips that have helped you there? Uh, how rising above fear, right? Yeah, it's, it, it literally is just uh, just not buying into the concept or the idea that you have to go out and sell more. I think that that's a trap. And I think that most business owners, and I know that sounds simple. It sounds really, really simple, but all the greatest things in the world really are very simple and there's nothing that's new, right? So when you think about the, the average business owner is motivated by this massive weight of having to get to the next iteration of what he's doing or get to the next level. And in order to do that, he has to sell more. So he's thinking in his mind, I've got to sell more to get more to move to the next level. And it's absolutely, it's, it's just, it's totally backwards. Yeah, I would I don't think today, you need much rather have two jobs that are profitable as opposed to having 20 jobs that are not, you know? 100%, quite often you need to slow down in order yes. to speed up and you need to slow down to fix your margin, understand your numbers, productivity on site, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. And then um, there's a great saying, a, uh, a busy idiot doesn't need more motivation no. to speed them up. They need education yes. to turn them around. Yes. And that's so hard, I think. That is so hard to, to stop and actually do that when you're in the weeds and you feel like, how am I going to pay the bills next month? Yep. Right? Um, it is so counterintuitive, but I think the practical advice there is regardless of how weird that feels and how counterintuitive it is to stop in the middle of the chaos, to take a step back, to evaluate where you are so that you can take the right next step. It's not about trying to figure out, I'm going back to the 1% because it's not about trying to figure out the whole roadmap. It's about trying to figure out what is the 1% that I do today. And I'm kind of referencing atomic habits now and it's stacking on those things yeah. so that you look different next year than you do this year 
But the only you're never going to do that if you're trying to just slay the elephant all at once. You've got to just hundred percent. Yep. But, 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 yes. Yeah. So where do you want to take your business? Like, I'm so excited by this HDTV and the opportunity to scale because you're plugging yeah. all the holes now. And then when we yes. pour some water in the top. Dude, it is super simple for me now. It is. It, I used to think of it as top line. I want to be $20 million, $100 million. I used to be thinking I want to be this revenue target. Don't care. <laughs> I want to be super profitable. And I want the business to serve me. That's it. I, I want to be able to have enough money and enough time to enjoy life. And I want to do that in a way, if, if that means that I, I'm selling, you know, $5 million in business or $20 million in business that's operationalized and scaled with people, um, I don't care. I just want it to be profitable business, number one. And I want it to be business that doesn't take a hundred percent of my time. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Michael, it's so good. I'm so excited for where you're at. Like the opportunities are huge. I love it. I know. I know they are. But, you know, and the thing is, Marty, is like, I know, I know, like Stacy and I, like we talk about this a lot. I'm not just like other guys listening to this or other people that, that are considering TPP. I'm not just pushing it. I literally, dude, I was at the end of the rope, right? I'm the guy that was at the end of the rope saying, Look, I'm about to deviate. You got to realize I came out of a 20 year corporate career, had been building houses, doing fix and flips with our own money for 10 years on the side. And it wasn't until five years ago that we started taking on private clients. And dude, we did not know how to take on a private client, what to do with them. And we just stepped into like, like, yeah, I've been in corporate. I've, I understand business. I understand this. No. What TPB has done for us is it's taken us to, I've used the example with other people um, when they ask me what my coaching is, how I pay for it, what, what the point of it is. I view TPB very similar to what uh, McKinsey or Bain Capital would bring to a oh, um, healthcare Bain, technology company. Bain Capital is where we're going next year. So at the yes. top of the pyramid, we're going to take an equity stake in 12 separate companies that want to that want to triple their revenue and their profit. Here, brother. <laughs> right, my man. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I, I'm the North Texas connection right here. You I know, love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So but, you guys have to have a presence here anyway, right? So I understand. Man yeah. after my own heart. So I'm a massive McKinsey, BCG, yeah. and in particular, Bain Capital, because they take an equity stake. Right. But what, what the crazy thing is, as, as a guy that's been doing construction, I got into the business doing fix and flips because I'm an artist at heart, right? I'm passionate about what I do. I love building. I love the creative side, the form and the function. I'm, I'm super passionate about building, but there's nothing out there. No, nobody knows how to operationalize, to systematize the business in a way that gets you close to the money. And I, and I started seeing some of the stuff just behind the curtain from TPB. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is it. This is it. Cause it's not, and it's not just that. Look, I've spent a lot of money on coaching a ton. <laughs> I have spent a lot of money on coaching. And, and uh, I think you guys put your money where your mouth is because it's, it's just content rich. And what I would say for a person that's coming in, there's no excuse to not make it. The only reason you won't is you don't have the desire to learn because the content is there. The support's there. And I got to tell you, it's, it's a workout. It's not easy. It's, I got to dig into the material every day, but it's 1%, 1%, 1%. Yeah, 100%. I got two 
final yeah. questions. How do you set aside time in your diary and to work on the business? And where do you go? Like, do you go to a cafe? Do you stay at home in a dungeon and say, doors locked for two hours? For me, I stay at home. I, I have a, I'm standing in, a, in an old antique uh, Swiss, Swiss made Nike drafting table. And I, I, I like to stand here. I don't hang out in coffee shops much just due to the, the, the background noise is distracting to me. So I'm a headphone guy. I get in the zone. Um, I have to put this thing away. This thing's a beast, right? This, yep. this, this device is um, the most dangerous thing in my life. Right. If, yep. if, if, and it, it actually causes more problems than good. Um, so if I can just set it in a different room, put it in a box, move away from it and just have time. I don't have an issue with focusing in. I'm a, I'm a one task kind of guy. Anyway, I want to really be focused on it. So that's, that's how I do it. And, and for me, it's, it's, I, lo I love to learn. It's a, it's a joy of learning. So that's why, you know, TPV is good for me because there's so much content that I can kind of, I can dive in. And then it, then it points me in the directions of other resources that really, it just kind of builds on itself. And what would you say to someone who is stuck, they're at the end of their tether, they going around in circles or they're just not getting ahead like they should be? What, what would you say to them? Stop, drop, roll. You're on fire, dude. <laughs> it's that's that's it you got to stop you got you know it's, a, it's the old fire safety measure right stop drop roll like you're on fire you don't you don't run like if the house is on fire the worst thing for you to do is keep running full speed right you get out of the fire you got to get out of the fire and you've got to get a different perspective and you've got to pull it back and realize that um it may be more painful in the short term and it may cause you to feel like you're losing more in the immediacy, but it gives you a perspective to get on a different path. I mean, I think that's the key. If you're off the end of your rope and you tried it a hundred different times and it hasn't worked a hundred times, doing it another hundred times is just stupid. hundred percent. Yeah. It's all about following. Like if you want to do anything well, whether it's bake a cake, then you follow the recipe, mix the ingredients yeah. in the right order, and you should get a similar result. Just like if you want to get to someone who's further ahead or where you want to be in business, if you model the same actions, you'll get a very similar result. It's just, are you willing to, one, learn to change your perspective, two, gain the skills, and three, change your identity and beliefs to get to where you want to go? Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. Change your identity beliefs and then accelerate your learning by quit tripping over your own shoelaces, man. Like if, if you're not learning it on your own now and you haven't, don't expect that that's going to change, right? You got to get around other people you can learn from and you can learn from other people's mistakes. Like, you know, my father-in-law taught me something a while, uh, 15 years ago. Um, been married 18 years this, this year. It's probably been 16, 17 years ago he taught me this. But, and it's so simple, but you, you can learn from other people's mistakes or you can learn from your own, right? Yep. It is way less costly to learn from other people's mistakes, right? Like, like- 100%. So if you can just, and you can accelerate it, right? You can, that's the great thing about failing and failing forward is you can learn in an incubator a hundred, a thousand times, 10,000 times faster from other people's screw ups than you can from living and paying the consequence of your own, right? I think that's, that to me would be- A hundred percent. That's what the smart people do, right? Learn from other people's mistakes rather than your own. Yeah. Michael, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate your insights. 
I look forward to catching up uh, with you myself in person. And as soon as these borders open up, we're coming over to the US uh, and I'd love to catch up. Make this your first time, for sure. 100%. Texas, here we come. All right, see you, Marty. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you. Have a great day.